Cinema Film Trace. This is a podcast where we trace the life of a film from production to conception all the way to release and reception. I think I screwed that up. I don't care. It's the end of 2022. We're doing a new format uh, for the end of the year. Chris, what are we doing? Yeah, we are taking a quick respite from our series of episodes about uh, risque romance. We'll have the finale of that cycle of episodes coming up next week. But uh, right now we wanted to take a look back, but not in you know the usual just like blather on about the movies we liked or disliked this past <laughs> year. We want to give it that, that film trace twist. Um, and what we've typically done on this show throughout its many iterations over the years uh, has been to look at, you know, basically where did movie, the movie come from and how did yeah. it get from conception to actually, you know, on our streaming service or in the movie theaters or both. And so we were fascinated, especially with 2022, because there has been so much drama in the world of film production. Yes. Um, and a lot of that has to do with COVID. Some of that has to do with cancel culture, quote mark, quote mark. And uh, <laughs> even more of it just has to do with just like trying to figure out how the world of movies works today. Yeah, it's a different world now. Completely right. different world. The industry is completely upended from COVID. So it's there's and a lot was, of fallout. And it was already like in the midst of being upended with the streaming yes. wars, right? So Absolutely. like uh, this has been quite the year for... Uh, on-set and post-production drama. And uh, we're going to count down for you the top five drama-iest uh, productions <laughs> in the film world for 2022. We don't have a, we don't have a catchy name for it. You're going to have to figure that out, Dan, when you title this thing. Uh, that's true, yeah. I'll have to get my copywriting skills going. Uh, how do you want to start this thing? You want to do honorable mentions first, or you want to start yeah. counting stuff down? Yeah, let's let I, I, I we got to clear the air a little bit because at first we were going to do a top 10 list and we're just right, like, that's you know, that's unwieldy. That's yeah. just that's not We're going to talk way too much about these top five. So we don't yeah. want to do a top 10 <laughs> three yeah. hours long. That, that would have been wouldn't have been good for anything. Anybody. Um, but uh, I'm just going to hit you with these. Dan, and uh, <laughs> Here we go. And and then you give me your off the cuff reaction. Sure. Um, for each for of it. these honorable mentions. I got four. Swing of them away. Swing away. Um, so one big. Uh, piece of the puzzle in the film world and the drama inherent thereof this past year has not necessarily been in the making of the film but the promoting of the film so <laughs> what i've got for you is a press circuit blunder um director andrew dominic from blonde uh told sight and sound when the lead up to the film being released on netflix um that uh, quote no one watches marilyn monroe movies anymore and he also said gentlemen prefer blondes a stone cold classic of the golden era of hollywood is quote a film about dressed up whores <laughs> <laughs> and he, he he said a lot of things um that without... his press his press tour was a disaster for that film <laughs> <laughs> and as was the film, but that's my opinion, not yours. It was in my top. Uh, what was it? My top five? Uh, I think it was my third favorite movie of the movie. movie of the tremendous year. error. Tremendous error. I mean, I just I feel like the reaction of people just made me like it more. <laughs> if you know anything about my personality, it's just oh, you guys don't like it. Mm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna triple down. Uh, no, I mean this one is like the thing with yeah, the entire concept of blonde was like cursed from the start. Like you can't make a uh, like a a super arty movie about Marilyn Monroe, Monroe's life and like expect it to play well, right? Like I think the thing that I liked about that movie the most is that it was not like a drama. It was not a traditional 
like Oscar bait drama movie. It was like a weird experimental, like, I don't even know what the hell was going on half the time. I mean, it was like free association. It was like poetic logic. Uh, that's what I loved about it. But people just hated it. I yeah. mean, hated yeah. it. And, and, I, and I was one of them. Um, I was, I was no, quite you know. disgusted. Um, but by... he didn't do himself any favors by, you know. No, no, he did not. So, that yeah, that's, that's the one. Uh, yeah, the press circuit can be rough, but like, ugh. A lot of people just, he just like shot himself on foot, essentially. And it's mostly these like these like white guys that are that wish that they were auteurs, but don't quite have enough cachet to really get there yet. Uh-huh. Oh, shots fired! <laughs> okay, let's talk oh, about some on the shelf silliness. Uh, one of the things that COVID did is you know put a bunch of movies on hold, but this one has actually been was on the shelf for seven years before it finally got released this year. Is movie that why I've never heard of this movie? Yes, yes, yes. It was it, it's 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 ridiculous. You think most movies like I'd say. N- random guess 90% of movies that are shelved for more than five years just are not going to see the light of day right yeah very common somehow this one did it's called the king's daughter starring pierce brosnan and kaya scotelero um it's a fantasy romance kind of coming of age uh picture but uh it's just ridiculous that uh it was originally supposed to come out in 2015 it just kept changing distribution hands from focus to open road and eventually a pvod company gravitas ventures um, put it out and they also released it theatrically which uh, just made things why? worse why why would you even pay to do that this thing was shot in april 2014 insane like what why i mean i guess because it's got like um pierce Brosnan, right i mean he's yeah, yeah. a draw i guess is he actually though uh, not anymore i don't think maybe back no not like, even back then to, like art house you would be like remember the matador where that movie was i feel yeah, like ever vaguely. since then He's like been more of an art housey draw type. But guy. he also did like that. Uh, what this the terrible movie? I think you watched it with me. Uh, some kind of beautiful with uh, him and Salma Hayek. And did I watch that with you? I don't know. I don't remember watching. It. Oh wait, that sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he did. A, he's done a lot of trash. Yeah, there's no reason to put this movie out. Number one, number two, uh, it needs to be on like. I don't know, like the Roku channel, original channel, like, you know what I mean? It has that vibe to it, like like a new streaming service that's trying to get started, like Crackle might be a, or yeah, a Crackle right. original. Right, um, right. But there's, or just like is, ABC Family and put commercials in yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> or like Hulu, I don't know. Like, there's no reason to put this thing out. No. Um, and that's pretty embarrassing, if I'm being honest. Pretty Absolutely. embarrassing across the board. Absolutely. What else we got? Uh, so we w- we'll talk about cancel culture a little bit later in the show, but this is a straight up cancel culture fail. Um, didn't actually work, uh, sadly. Um, the whole drama with Johnny Depp and Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. He was fired um, in the midst of the big blow up with his uh, high profile divorce from Amber Heard and the lawsuits. Uh, going both ways uh and you know fast forward the movie comes out it does well without him he loses you know a 10 million dollar paycheck but then he is basically awarded that exact amount um as a result of the uh, libel case with his ex-wife amber heard um 
you know, whether, has, has anybody seen this movie? Have you seen this movie? I've never seen any of the Fantastic Beasts. So I here's the, the deal on the Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> um, so I've like I so vaguely saw the the Harry Potter movies. I think I've seen all of them in bits and pieces since they came out, but never sure. never in one sitting any of them. Yeah, I've only seen and, the first three. And then I watched all Fantastic Beasts, the first one, and I was like, if this is what Harry Potter's really like, I don't want any of it because it's just. <laughs> I mean, we're talking the most dour boring like boring. cgi like gruel on screen and how did they is this the third movie isn't it you know i i i, I, I used to know that one. <laughs> i feel like it's a third one i feel like they had three of these well and the whole because jk Johnny rowling wasn't in the first one wasn't he uh no he was in the second He's in and the so second he, one. <laughs> and oh, that's an, it's one of those things where they didn't just fire him they kept the character but then recast and they were, yeah, like yeah Matt what's his name yes he's yeah. amazing we all yeah. love everybody loves yeah. him um, Except, uh, you know, he's a Jordan Peterson stand, so let's... Is he really? <laughs> he is. Oh, that's gross. I feel like he, like, eats too much meat or something. Yeah, that's what they like having complicated, yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole depth thing, I mean, what a disaster. I don't know. Remember that GQ profile that came out about him, like, four years ago or five years ago? And was it was just a- like... One where it was just like he's he was out of his mind on drugs. No, that that but it's just like so sad. He's like yeah, constantly oh yeah, drinking yeah. red wine, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is just. He's like one of those guys, like Michael Jackson, maybe who just like, well, Michael Jackson's a whole different story, I guess. You know, someone who's so famous that they just become like locked in their own little like snow globe mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. and it's just they like never have no connection to the outside world or other people. That's like right. Johnny Depp, and he's also and that, apparently a pretty is- bad abuser. So. Right, and and which has just like catapulted that you know toxic online fan base and Ooh. oh my That's gross. Gosh. Okay, let's not talk Johnny about Depp, that. Though. <laughs> Horrible people, uh, shelved and squashed. So not just on the shelf, but then just like squashed completely. We would be remiss to do an episode uh, on this topic of production and release drama in the film industry without mentioning the whole HBO Max tax write off controversy of twenty twenty two. And in particular, um, the, probably their highest profile feature film release that was slated to come out that was literally completed was Batgirl. And that unfortunately is well never was see it the completed? Completed. Like Holy literally shit, I didn't know they that. just put finishing touches on the on the uh visual effects and then HBO Max just you know came I, out with that. The call. financials don't that makes no sense financially. Like that's all made up bullshit. Like that. <laughs> It, yeah, it's you just could that, literally do like a light marketing campaign. It's Batgirl. You can make your right. something back in streaming audiences and whatever. Put it on HBO Max or whatever. I don't. That's just it, there's something off about the whole thing. Well, the whole Warner Brothers HBO thing, Discovery. It sounds very messy. Yeah, uh, and like this is one. Unfortunately, one of the fallouts is they're just like blowing up these projects that are already done. Yeah, it had Brendan, had Brendan Fraser in it. Brendan Fraser as the villain is Firefly, uh, yeah, and it was the on. directors of Bad Boys for Life, which was like it will go down Fun. in history as as the not a great movie, but as the mo- like the last movie, to, the first movie to like be a hit after COVID, right? Yeah, um, uh, or was it before COVID? No, it was the last movie to be a hit before COVID. Before COVID. It came out in January 2020. Yes, that's right. But like, and, yeah. and it, you know, people expected, you know, that reunion to be successful, but it, was, it outperformed uh, most predictions, right? Oh, it did very, very well. Yeah, right. people loved it. So these guys are on fire, uh, Adilel Arbi and Bilal Fala, and uh, it seemed like, a, you know, a 
a, a slam dunk. Uh, Michael Keaton reprising his Batman role as well. And you shelve that and you say it's never going to come out. That's insane. I feel like the tax write off thing was from a rival studio. That was like, how can mm. we, how can we like get these guys in the mud? Essentially. Interesting. Cause that makes, I mean, it makes no sense. Uh, we got one more. No, we won't last, but not last, least on the last honorable mentions. mentions. And it's a doozy. Uh, I am not a video game guy. Uh, maybe you can speak a little bit to this, Dan. Yeah. But I, even not knowing much of anything about video games, I knew that like there's a huge audience that had been clamoring for over a decade for the Uncharted movie to come out. Yeah. The adaptation of the adventure game. Uh, and it was 2008 when it was first being like tossed around Hollywood. Um, it was originally scripted by the screenwriters of Sahara and Sound of Thunder. I don't know why that's the screenwriting <laughs> that team that gets to good. do it. No. And then David O. Russell, who we'll talk about later. Oh, God. I'm <laughs> was, my mouth. Was attached for a while. Fans had mounted an online campaign to get Nathan Fillion from you know, the Joss Whedon universe to... It would have been perfect. That's what, that's what it seems like most people thought. And yeah. uh, to the point where like he even starred in like a fan-made short film to try to like capitalize that on that uh, online campaign mark Wahlberg starts like saying things like i want de niro to play my uncle <laughs> and, oh my god <laughs> and but then like he he ends up he does end up in the movie eventually but it does it takes over f- you know 14 years for this thing to finally come out it changes hands not only uh from david o. russell but also to neil berger the guy that did limitless and divergent to joe carnahan who did narc and the blacklist and sean levy who did night at the museum and date night and free guy and then even Dan Trachtenberg, who put out uh, one of the better movies of this year, the the, the Predator franchise installment, Prey. Um, and then finally, it lands in Ruben Fleischer's na- lap. And uh, it seems like it kind of just came and went. Uh, Tom Holland, yeah. Spider-Man, you know, the star. I, and like, uh, I have a different opinion of this film than most okay. people. Do you like I don't this think of that. I'm try- I don't think that it's actually that bad. I saw it in the theater opening weekend, of course. Oh, my gosh. Um, and uh look it has nothing to do with a video game i think that's the problem <laughs> right because i went in like i i've played uncharted my ps4 is an uncharted version so like i know the game but like the problem with that is that like uncharted's indiana jones so like there, there's this weird and I, this came up in some like new yorker article or something about it was yeah the new yorker article about last of us and they talked about the struggle of video games to you know transition into tv and film successfully it's never really been done all that well last of us is the first example it's a masterpiece i haven't seen it yet um <laughs> <laughs> but the, the one of the, the the points that they make in the article is that because video games are already based on tv in film it becomes this weird reflexive circle like mm-hmm. resident evil is a good example like it's all based on like romero stuff and it's just like it doesn't it, i don't know it's hard to do it becomes a copy of a copy of a copy eventually right right uh and arch the, the, the thing i liked about uncharted is that like the movie is it, it's, it's very breezy it's dumb as hell but it's super fun and it's just like a dumb adventure movie but if you tried to compare it to uncharted it's a t- complete disaster it's nothing to do with it Hmm, right so i think that's why people are kind of like sore about it never gonna see it but that's fine oh it's fun my mom looks fun (laughs) okay let's let's that girl in it from uh the wilds is in it she's phenomenal um (laughs) all right let's get to the top five let's do let's get the show on the road boom what's number Number five five. uh this 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 one was your pick so you gotta go I, i gotta hear your take i saw an advanced screening of this movie and i still didn't even realize how much drama was behind the creation of it Oh, yeah. So number five is The Northman um, by Robert Eggers. Uh, it had to be on the list. 
absolutely had to be. It makes okay. So just the background: if you don't know Robert Eggers, he did The Lighthouse, which I think is a, a I would call it an experimental film. Um, the Witch is you know an old English, incredibly hard film to sort of engage with if you're not into like horror movies. But they they all of them hit pretty well with the art house A24 crowd, right? So based on that cachet, he gets this massive budget, which starts out at $65 million, which already I don't think he had shot a movie for over $15 million before this. <laughs> right. So they give him this huge budget. Um, and they're basically like, you know, you know, he teams up with, uh, Skarsgård and says, Hey, let's, uh, let's make a Viking movie. That sounds fun. Uh, a new regency is like, here you go. Here's your check. Um, and then not, I guess they didn't know him that well or something. He basically went down several rabbit holes of Viking culture, uh, to the point where like the end product, I mean, this is considered the most authentic Viking movie ever made, I guess, okay. uh, which is cool. Um, but from the moment that it was announced, I am, you know, from the old podcast of a, a pretty, um, wonky box office nerd. Uh, it made zero sense what they were doing <laughs> because there's no audience for a Viking movie. There's, there's literally none unless it's like uh, based on like that Viking show on like the history channel or whatever bullshit channel it's on. Um, <laughs> you know, like a soap opera, but in Viking times and this is Robert Eggers. Like he's going to make like the boats, like replicas of the real boats. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's just like, you know, a mile off in the shot, it's going to be real. Uh, and so, what essentially ensued is they did, you know, let him kind of do his thing with that massive budget. The moment it, <laughs> the test screening comes in, and if you if you ever wanted to know anything about like making movies, you got to read the New Yorker essay on this because it is absolutely hilarious. The entire thing. Um, let's see what they said. So it does. It had a test score, and out of a hundred, it scored in the mid sixties, which is horrifically bad. Um, so essentially, they had to go back and redo a lot of recut it. The, the, the other thing here that's, that's that's fascinating about this movie is it didn't do any coverage shots. They just did single camera for everything. So going back and editing it, there's not much a lot of choice. You just have whatever you actually filmed on that single camera. So, um, and the, I, what is it? The, the budget ballooned to $90 million. Um, so it's a $90 million Viking art film. Um, that I don't know how you felt about it. It was absolutely my favorite movie of the year. Whoa. Despite its financial failure, um, it's a, I think it's an absolute masterpiece and we'll never see anything like it again because he uh, won't ever make a movie like this ever again. What, I do, mean, you think? what do we think about it? Uh, it yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it, it was quite the thing to see on the big screen. I will oh, absolutely concede yeah. that it, it was spectacularly visual in all the ways you want, like a movie that is going to completely commit to something so uh detail oriented but also just like mythical in stature and i think that's kind of where my uh, appreciation of the movie kind of faltered because like what the it, it, i mean it, it, maybe that's just part of the deal because he went so deep into viking lore he essentially <laughs> retold the story of amleth which is the uh norse version of hamlet that shakespeare wrote uh his play based on and so it's a story that's been told a billion times and yeah it's it's pretty stale it's pretty lockstep in terms of like you know all the all the trimmings are wonderful but you basically just have another revenge movie of a guy wanting to avenge his father's death and um 
you know, it's it's it, the the actors also commit a thousand percent. Um, yeah. The movie probably also benefits greatly from uh, the appearance of Bjork's first on-screen performance in years. And, you know, yeah. I wondered, like, how did he manage this until and then with some research for this episode, figured out that uh, Eggers co-wrote the movie with Sion who was in that band, uh, the sugar cubes with Bjork oh, back, in the yeah, 80s. back in the day. Yeah. So that's how probably she gets convinced. Um, and it's, you know, she, she has a, a wonderful little part. Willem Dafoe has a wonderful little part. Oh, he's and wonderful, yeah. it, you know, there, it, it, it's definitely big and it, it's really like a really fun, uh, watch. And a, like you said, a very, super unique, never going to get anything like it again, no. kind of watch, but it is, you know, it's, it's just, a lot of brutal bloodiness and uh i don't know if that's a movie like i, I will want to revisit oh i've watched it multiple times this year <laughs> yeah, oh it's just a classic you're strange you're strange it's an I, instant classic I'll, I'll go back and rewatch the lighthouse instead <laughs> well that's the thing like I, did you like the lighthouse a lot oh i love the lighthouse you're a sick human being i almost walked out of it one of the worst <laughs> movies i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> well that's the thing is like the, the lighthouse it has like such a strange sense of humor and it's layered and i i i didn't get it's like the northman is just so serious and so it's very serious which uh, is why i love it oh my gosh um but yeah we'll never see anything like it again he basically said he says in the new yorker i'm never doing this again like, this is, <laughs> he said it was the worst experience yeah, of yeah. my life yeah getting like notes from a studio to edit this thing yeah. right so and i think the, the they not only um had the issue of the test screenings but also like i think all five of the movies on our list uh had covid to deal with yeah and so, so they yeah, had all, all these very ornate sets that just stood for months on end and you know on the downside that probably just made that helped balloon the budget more because they had to repair things and like redo things and all that but also like made the world of the movie feel really authentic because it was clear that like those sets that they built were like weathered for several months before they actually got used which is a, a silver lining i guess um yeah it's like a lot of the stuff that we're seeing like this one Northwind is supposed to start in march 2020 right mm-hmm. like and it's just the same with our next movie actually number four on the list this was to start in february 2020 it's like these films are cursed yeah uh to start right in that list any final thoughts on northman um no let's move on we got we had a lot move. of ground to cover a lot of ground to cover number uh, is this your pick or my pick i think it's your pick this one's mine i think you int- you um, introduced it How, tell us all about and it. i knew that because i was going to pick it i would have to watch it which was <laughs> going to be a challenge because i hadn't watched the franchise's installment that came before it and so i would have to watch two bad movies um but uh i'm i'm interested to talk about it and hear your thoughts on it uh jurassic world dominion absolutely hands down the worst jurassic park movie yet oh. and that's saying something yeah uh, I mean, it's, it's just so it's bad. Something, it's something special. It's um, such a trash fire, but it's also just like such a boring trash fire. Like it's just ugh. Okay, so well, anyways, let's let's get into like what happened. Uh, the you know capstone of a new trilogy that was financially successful, and it ended up. I'm gonna pause down. Let's do a clap. I gotta go deal. With okay, it. Hold on. done. Okay, be right back.
pacifier save the day. All right. All right. Let's All right. Boom. Back into it. All right. Jurassic Park uh, Dominion. Um, yeah, I would say it's probably up there with Batman versus Superman. Right, it's like the Ooh, worst yeah. blockbuster yeah. put out there. But like you, like I was reading through the production notes on how this thing like started. Yeah, it starts to film in like supposed to film in February 2020. Uh, obviously, goes in high just in March 2020 is the pen. As COVID spreads across the world, uh, they restart in July 2020. Uh, this is the the fight the part I found most fascinating. So like Jurassic uh, Park, uh, Jurassic World dominion is basically like how they produced this during the COVID was the paradigm of how other movies did it right and so they kind of set down the standard it was like uh, this in the new it's like ridiculous it was like this in the new mission impossible right yeah exactly yeah exactly right. it was which still like isn't a, out yet oh yeah wasn't there like a leak from like tom cruise like yelling at people on that stuff? oh yeah totally oh uh, yeah okay but yeah, there's like well, there's like five million dollars on safety protocols and tests. But I think it ballooned to nine million. Um, they basically put up everybody in a single hotel to isolate them. Um, which I find here's the thing about this, because we've covered um COVID movies before, and it's like, you know, sometimes you can tell that like it just was not a normal movie shoot. Mm-hmm. On this one, he makes it sound like, oh, it was amazing. Um, he, uh, Trevor says, um, uh, he and the cast uh, formed a close relationship uh, while they lived together for four months, allowing them to create characters in a quote, in a way that I would never have the opportunity to do if not for the pandemic protocols. Thank you, COVID? What? <laughs> yeah, I don't. And like, here's the thing that does not translate on screen no. at all. No, Rick, it, it, it feels like this was all filmed on a green screen. Oh, yeah. Um, there's no chemistry with any of the characters. Um, Especially I don't know, like, the, the, the the legacy characters that return, right? Oh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern. Like, uh, agree to come back. Oh, my God. in here. Like, I... Um, and here's so the thing. It's, I, don't oh, go think, ahead. I don't think that uh, COVID was even the main culprit, to be honest. No, absolutely um, not. The drama with this movie goes back to 2015 when Jurassic World, the first one of the new trilogy, came out. And Colin Trevorrow said, essentially, and by the way, Jurassic World's not good. Jurassic World, no, it's terrible. Fallen Kingdom, not good, but fun. No. It's I had a lot of fun with well, that. Well, I don't know it's, about that. It's, it's bad, but it's it's fun. Jurassic, I think of the of these three Jurassic Worlds by far the best, and it's not even good. Oh, so. Okay. Anyways, but like he had said in 2015, I'm not going to touch the next two. Like, I, this is my baby, the first one. I want to see what other people do with the franchise. And which it ended up being this whole ironic thing because he name dropped the Star Wars franchise. And because mm-hmm. that was the original plan for Perfect. that new sequel trilogy. And he was tapped to finish that trilogy for Rise of Skywalker after J.J. Abrams' Force Awakens and Ryan Johnson Last Jedi. But then he got fired from that. And so then J.J. Abrams took over that one you know, ruined that trilogy. And then, uh, Colin Trevorrow revert returns to Jurassic world and says he wants to finish this trilogy now. And he ruins his own thing that he started. It's just, uh, uh, there's a great quote where he goes, uh, he goes, uh, planning the beginning, middle and end of the trilogy ahead of time is quote, 
crucial to a franchise like this if you really want to bring people along with you and make sure they stay interested it needs to be even... thought through on that level <laughs> wait, wait hold for it it can't be arbitrary <laughs> the early jurassic park movies had pretty clear definitive endings they're much more episodic come on dude oh my like, gosh what? here's the thing that's actually not even a bad thought but then why did he go ahead and make the worst trilogy narrative maybe of oh, all time can you tell and, me what it is oh no barely the I, only remember the second one they're cloning humans like where did that <laughs> yes like, that, that makes no sense like it, <laughs> at least uh, that at least the second one and also which also uh struggles with that whole idea of like what where does this movie take place it's not in a theme park anymore so uh but it, at the very least like it was it was concise and it had like the audaciousness that was uh, J.A. Bayona, um, who did The Orphanage and The Impossible. He's he, he's never really made a good movie, but he has potential, I think. Um, whereas this one, um, like everything's thrown out, like not only like Jake Johnson, uh, who was in the first movie, but not the second, was going to come back and he uh, couldn't because of the covid protocols. Um, Omar Sy, uh, who plays um, Chris Pratt's sidekick in the first movie, returns without explanation in the third one. The, the cloning human thing happens, and I've, it's got me, somebody who like read both of Michael Crichton's books growing up and watched yeah. the first Jurassic Park a million times, is like trying to like parse out with like wiki fandom sites who these characters are they're referring to <laughs> that supposedly had some kind of connection to the very first jurassic park it's just it's uh, it's insanity it's there's so many loose ends that are never connected and you're right like what the hell is this movie about like half the movie's about bugs locusts, not dinosaurs locusts, yeah. right locusts i don't like and it's it just goes to show you that and like we've experienced we've seen this I don't know. I think we got lulled into a weird sense of like, you know, when Force Awakens came out. Did you go see it? Did you like it? Um, I liked it okay. I, w- I wasn't yeah. over the moon, um, but I, I, I bought into it. So yeah, I, I like, went to go is- see it like three times in the theater and I got that rush. I got that like insane blockbuster rush. I was like, oh my I, God, this is it. This is like, I got the that great rush from feeling. Last Jedi. So. Jesus Christ! Don't do this, uh, man. But I'm saying this, okay. So I think the whole it's the whole South Park member Barry's plotline from that year. You know, it's like they the whole nostalgia play. I don't know. I don't know what people were thinking, but like it doesn't work unless you make an amazing movie like Top Gun Maverick. Which is a, basically a masterpiece, <laughs> oh God, and I'm just like, how on. is what? So, but here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give me a one second rant here. At the end of the day, Jurassic World Dominion sucks. Not because it was shot during COVID. Not because it was like so hard to do. It sucks because this story was complete and utter trash. Mm-hmm. And like, there's zero respect for like story writers in this film. And it's almost like they don't even care. No, they're just like, yeah, we'll put some dinosaurs in it, but not. They're not. They're not main characters. They're just side characters. Yeah. They're basically the dinosaurs have a bit part in this in this movie, yeah. and it's just like, what were you thinking? And then you have like Chris Pratt who is like cardboard, <laughs> um, and it's just the whole thing is like you have to have a story. Yeah, this is you got to have a protagonist. You got to have conflict. I feel like one of those guys at one of those script writing schools. I'm like, save I, the like, cat and like Glendale, just like <laughs> you got <Yeah>. to <laughs> Brian Cox and adaptation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's 
kind of true on some level. There needs to be for, something for there. these big tentpole movies. It's at least true. Oh yeah, this is a four quad movie, so you need to tell me a story. Oh my gosh, it, story it redemption like, like Maverick. Like, nobody wanted to talk about it. Uh, oh, it's it, terrible. It and, already, and, but it made like one point five billion or something. Oh sure, because people saw it out of obligation. To, <laughs> just yeah, like, I mean, I saw it. Oh god, in this ugh. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get that taste out of our mouth and get a worse taste in our mouth. Oh uh, number gosh. three, is this was technically this, my pick? Yeah, this is your pick. And we, I maybe this whole episode was a bad idea now that we're just like full of hate. <laughs> um, I'm just full of bile. Um, we're we're going to... Uh, we've earned the right to do this. Uh, so yeah, number three right, is right, right, David right. O. Russell's Amsterdam, the uh, 2022 masterpiece of film. I, I cheated on this. I cheated. Um so like there is no real drama with this movie. Uh it's in, in the, the after, it's in the, the the release of the film. There's in something that released, yeah, but like ultimately on set, so here's the deal with David O. Russell. We could do literally a whole show about how terrible of a human being he is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the famous stories, there's the video of the Lily Tomlin incident, I Heart Huckabees, where he basically mm-hmm. like you know berates her on set calls her yep. a c-word everything there's the fist fight with george clooney on what was that three kings yep mm-hmm. um and then there's the amy adams story then there's a story about him um physically attacking christopher nolan um at a party i forget why this was i think like uh russell apparently like stole somebody from him or like Christopher oh, Nolan right. stole yeah. somebody from a movie. I don't even care. Um, and then that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Then in December 2011, he basically gropes his trans uh, transgendered niece. Uh, and this is not an allegation. This is a police report, and he admits to doing it in the police report. Yeah, and so he you're just like, like in daytime in public at a gym. In a gym, right? It's just like this. It's disgusting. Yeah, uh, and, and usually it wouldn't be important to to mention that the niece is transgender, but in this case, it was like he part of it, the part of the conversation, right? He was like trying to say like, "Oh, you're transitioning," and like that was the 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 impetus for the groping and the harassment. And it's just like, uh, yeah. And but okay, so here's the details that I think tie this back to Amsterdam because you're right, all this garbage about his garbage past yeah. um it ends essentially at 2012 right uh, okay yeah uh and he, he, there's been really nothing about him since then either it's been locked up or he's found a way to ref- I, don't, I don't care but like yeah. the point is that uh the press played a big role in <laughs> amsterdam's downfall it helps that the movie's also just absolutely horrible but oh, terrible movie <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that but um and uh, I, I realized this in doing research for this episode that uh, New York Magazine, Vulture in particular, their their blog, uh, pop culture blog, um, that's notorious for just ca- causing shit to yeah. st- stir and shit, um, uh, specifically like released a detailed timeline of allegations against a wrestle between the uh, you know years of like ninety eight and two thousand and twelve. Um, two days before Amsterdam comes out. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> they timed that shit. And and so, like, everybody's talking specifically about the transgender niece thing, which yeah. happened in 2012 um, here, in, yeah. here in 2022. Uh, because I think, I just, I don't think it even made a splash, really, in 2012. There, he had already been in so much It had already been, trouble. but that story had been around forever. Like, mm-hmm. it was on Smoking Gun for, like, since it happened. Yeah. 
so I don't like it, why the um, here's what I don't understand like why the I don't I, the character sessions is not the right term because he deserves everything that he's getting. Um, but why now? Like why Amsterdam too? Like this like dumb movie you that know, like the only thing that because I, I was thinking about this. You're right. There's not like obviously Christian Bale's stand for O. Russell numerous times throughout. Yeah, they're you know on pretty common um uh, working relationship uh but um there was a lot there was actually a lot of drama with casting um the part that went to yes. J- on david washington like it uh the it, jennifer lawrence was supposed to be in this movie again jamie fox michael b jordan like it it, it was a quite a wild ride and then R- margot robbie gets cast in the lead female role and uh she does say at the new york premiere um to press quote oh russell's stars often show up without knowing what you're going to shoot that day which is terrifying and also <laughs> exhilarating so like there's got to be something and it, and you know uh collider a source that i don't always trust a lot of the time actually had a yeah. really interesting analysis of amsterdam and actually you could probably apply this analysis to a lot of his films where it's just like there's there's such like a deep misogyny in his movies and including this one, that there's got to be something like between, uh, you know, I'm 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 the one starting shit now, just stirring the pot. Armchair but, psychologist over here. <laughs> but like between Martin Robbie and Anya Taylor Joy and Taylor Swift, like there's like the biggest names in in uh, pop culture in this movie. Zoe Saldana. Um, somebody must have like said something. I don't know if like. What there must be some kind of connection. Somebody at Vulture knew somebody who knew somebody, and they timed that perfectly because Vulture also did the exact same thing with our number one movie, which we'll get to in a little bit. Really, I didn't yes. know. I didn't know there were like press hits out on people. Oh yeah, totally. Um, just to note, same studio as uh, Northman, so <laughs> New Regency is going to be struggling financially. Uh, Dead uh, Deadline says this movie will lose them ninety seven million dollars. <sighs> yeah, loss. it bombed. Um, and I mean, let's talk briefly about how just how bad this movie is. Oh my uh, god! You know, with without any of the baggage, like uh, one of the COVID related things with this film is when they restarted production. It was originally supposed to be shot in Boston, which would make sense because it's you know about like you know old world, uh, both America and Europe. You get probably more out of location shooting on the east coast when they come back after covid the entire cast basically says like yeah we'll come back to work but we're i'm not leaving los angeles <laughs> this movie is just so painfully like even with uh like who's the cinematographer it's like kaminsky right yeah a lot and of close-up stuff it's just like so yeah it's just like it's like a chris columbus movie like it's tons of medium <laughs> shots and like there's nothing like big that feels like it's it feels like uh, yeah. you know a middle school project it's it really feels bad. like a play almost exactly. in a lot of ways but the, the yeah. problem is that like the script's not good enough to support it's not like yes. you know it's a nonsense it's not like glenn gary yeah. ross over here you know what i mean it's no, not it's not that low. and um and then you have john david washington who like oh i don't God. want to point out is just like you know, obviously a Nepo baby, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but but one of the worst actors today who gets A-list parts. Oh, my God. He, he is... is unwatchable in basically every role, except that Malcolm movie he was good in. That was a great COVID movie where they're stuck in the house together. And no, humans and come on. Let's not bring that up. Uh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. I thought it was weird. 
Weird and oh, fun. Gosh. I um, think he's, he's not bad in Black Klansman, but that's because he's got Spike Lee's script behind him. Yeah. Um, he has the charisma of, I don't know, like a slug <laughs> on the screen. Yeah. I just, he <laughs> just bad. can't do it. I mean, Amsterdam is like, I had to be on the list just because absolutely hugely bloated bu- budget because people mm-hmm. were lazy and didn't want to leave Los Angeles. Uh, and no one, literally no one wanted to see this movie, especially oh. after that Vulture piece. But even before that, I was right. all over, uh, what is it, uh, Dumois, whatever the hell that like, gossip website is. They were bo- they were trashing David O. Russell like months before this movie came out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is like, this is a no-go from the start. A complete disaster. <laughs> uh, what do we got? Number, <laughs> number two. This is your pick. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, hold on. I got to yeah, go for it. Real quick. Uh, This pacifier is just saving my life. All right. All right. Let's do okay. this. <clears throat> and go. Number two. What do we got? Number number two is what here, Chris? What do you got for us? It's Morbin time, y'all. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that out loud. <laughs> uh, it's Morbius. Uh, how do you yeah. talk about 2022 in review and the fiascos and bullshittery therein? without mentioning uh jared leto as the living vampire in the sony verse i don't i still don't yeah it's technically the sony verse yeah yeah it, it, it's hard to pick apart this whole thing like the production history on this one's insane it's it, it's um, been also very long not quite as long as uncharted but uh i mean this i guess actually longer than uncharted no way longer because this is back right. to like 2000 because you remember we got like uh what is it? Artisan Entertainment, who mm-hmm, Blair Witch, mm-hmm. you know, project came out in 99. That's what they're famous for. Right. They, I think they shuttered it in 2003. They got bought by Lionsgate. Um, but they had the rights for this thing. They had the rights for all of Marvel. Because right. Marvel is doing movies with them. And then, like, Marvel almost bought Artisan. But then, like, nah, we're not going to do that. Uh, and Morbius was a part of that whole package. Right. Um, and he was so, supposed to be up here in the Blade uh, yes, franchise. Yes, the Blade movies. Um, and but I don't. Why did that not happen though? I can't remember. I think so, the guy didn't want to show up or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the director of the original Blade, Stephen Norrington, had a cameo in the first Blade, and it it was supposed to uh, turn into like uh, like do be an alley oop to him play Morbius in the second Blade. But then they got fired him for Blade Two, got a new director, mm-hmm. and so that Morbius just never became a character. Um, and and so you know this character is it seems like it's a ridiculous character right a vampire super villain anti-hero like it's it's insane but you know especially from like 2000s hollywood point of view like you've got you see the the rising star of the sam raimi spider-man movies and also it's like vampire culture is like at its zenith right yeah so it seems like a, a no brainer um they try to get uh, Antoine Fuqua, uh, you know, the equalizer, replacement killers. Um, he uh, said he would do it if he, you know, got to have more of a 
say in what the movie ended up being. That's not how these comic book movies go. Um, so he gets tossed. F. Gary Gray, uh, who did Set It Off and some of the Fast and Furious movies, um, considered it. But same kind of thing. Like he wanted more control, uh, and that's saying something for somebody that's like willing to work within the confines of the Fast and Furious universe, but not Sony's comic book stuff. And so they finally, uh, it's actually Jared Leto who had been uh, circulating as, you know, the guy that wanted to get Morbius made and play the character uh, who met Daniel Espinosa, who ended up directing the 2022 film um, on, while he was on tour with 30 seconds uh, to Mars or whatever his band's called. Yeah. I've seen him alive. <laughs> he, he's great. He's a great front man. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we'll call we, we can pretend that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, the, you know, he's a music video director. It seems just like a no brainer, but it's not like not going to be a good movie, but maybe it'll be passable. I don't know. Jared Leto also, you know, in the midst of all this is like winning an Oscar <laughs> somehow. Because uh, Dallas Buyers Club, right, which I so. saw him. I saw Jared Leto at the Dallas Buyers Club SAB uh, screening because uh, he did like an interview for it. It was so bizarre. Oh, weird. He's stranger he's such, in person than he's such a in, weirdo. Uh, on, on, on screen. He's an absolute bonkers human being. Oh my and also, how is he not being canceled yet? I know, right? The he's, stories he's, about him are just unbelievable. Him and underage women. Like, yeah. hundreds of stories are out there. And it's just like, how does Vulture and I go after him? I don't, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's... Who knows? So who he... Knows? I mean... Th- the main thing with Morbius, right, is not the production, though it was definitely long gestating, but it's actually the memes, right? And <laughs> it being the first movie to uh, have the internet meme it into re-release, and so it bombs a second time. So it's this amazing. is a release execution thing, perhaps more than production, because you look at the movie objectively, I don't know, You, you, <laughs> I'm curious your thoughts, uh, and maybe this is just like a hype thing. Like I was expecting absolute trash. I actually kind of had fun watching oh, Morbius. Oh no, what are you doing? <laughs> Morbius is absolute. The problem with Morbius is this. It was initially conceived in, back in the 2000s, right? It feels like a pre-X-Men comic book movie. Right. I feel like X-Men changed everything. What was that, 2000? And then mm-hmm. a couple sequels after that, or the early 2000s. That's when like comic books became not serious, but like higher level because we grew up in the nineties. We had like, you know, spawn and like yeah. trash like that. And like I, I kind of have a spot soft spot for that trash. And the blade God. movies too. There's something just like I mean dingy and like You're right, remind, you're right. Okay. It reminds there me is, of bands like Stabbing Westward and Gravity Kills. Yeah, industrial, like LA music. Right. Um yeah, there's something to them. I just, it, it's so weird seeing one of those movies. Not like Morbius, you like watch, and I was like, this is not MCU. This is not DCEU. No, no, no. It, it's yeah. just not good enough. It's like a bargain bin uh, comic book movie stuff. And like, that's why I got attacked. And right. then also, Jared Leto is like a freak and like a not in a good way. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like, I don't know. The whole thing. It was fun to follow, though. And the oh, fact yeah. that, like, nerds got Sony to re-release the movie so it failed a second time, that's pretty <laughs> monumental. Yeah, That's like if they, like, hyped up and said, 
like oh we've we we were busy the weekend that snakes on the plane came out so can you re-release it and see and they would do it you know what <laughs> yeah I mean? and that's Incredible. essentially what they said in morbius they're like oh the third time they're going to release we were busy that weekend there's like a change.org <laughs> petition going on to get it out a third time incredible <laughs> um but yeah i mean here's the thing about this movie it's like yeah it, it, it shot in 2019 they did reshoots in february 2020 right before the pandemic and my favorite part about this movie was like the the weird release schedule thing mm-hmm. where they're like they pushed it to July 31st, 2020, 2020. Uh, this is back in 2019. They did this COVID hits. They're like, OK, it's not going to happen. So I'm doing March 19th, 2021. Then they delayed it again to October 2021. Then they delayed it to January 2022. Uh, and they just got keep pushing it. And then they pushed it back again because Spider-Man No Way Home was doing so well. Uh, <laughs> so then finally, when did it come out? April? Yeah, April, April 2022. Yeah, yeah. Like we're talking like six moves on the date at least. Right. Um, and it, it, here's the thing about the meme age, right? The memes happened because people knew before it came out it was trash. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like they just walked in there with, you know, with their guns loaded essentially and be like, how can we rip this thing apart? Um, and I don't know. It's just fun to hate on it. It's a good hate movie, you yeah. know, because there's nothing redeeming about it for the most part. It's just no, Jared no, it's- ego just running wild. <laughs> and I, I guess that's that's where, like, at the very least, and, and you had like, uh, oh God, who was there? You have him saying with zero comic delivery, I am Venom, and and compare that to like Tom Hardy just like sinking his teeth into that very role. <laughs> but in the, the a Venom thing is a perfect, a perfect counter to this. I right. hate that movie too. <laughs> <laughs> like both of Venoms are completely, I mean, they're yeah, not, they're, it's they're trash kitsch. Hit, but yeah. It's kitsch. But Morbius is like a, not even kitsch, it's just like middle browed trash. You know, it's just. <laughs> It's not it, man. It's not it. Oh my gosh. Okay. 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 Um, without further ado, the last one on our list is was yes. just a no brainer. It was just like neither of us picked it. It picked us. It picked everyone. <laughs> really, in 2022. Um, we're talking, of course, about "Don't Worry, Darling," and we don't need to rehash everything there's that the so internet took to care go of through though oh my god yeah we don't have, there's literally a novel's worth of gossip to read about there this will movie. definitely be like yeah a book written by a rolling stone journalist that will somehow wind up on the new york bestsellers list and they'll make years. a movie about it and oh my that'll, god that'll right. win oscars no it'll be a ryan murphy miniseries probably <sighs> feud yeah did you sit through his golden globe thing last night uh, no i couldn't can't deal with it um <laughs> You know what, how do you want to how do you want to bite into the apple of this movie? I'm how about the thing that you found? How did you dive into the gossip of this? I dove in really early. Okay. Um because I remember hearing stuff about well number 1 uh when she started to date Harry Styles on set, I think it was January, I forget what year it was. Maybe like this la- the year before, whatever it was 2020 or something. They um when they started dating, I was like, well, that's weird. Cause I always knew that she was with Jason Sudeikis and, mm-hmm. I was, and they had kids together. And I was like, weren't they married? Why is she dating Harry Styles? Like immediately clicked off. I was like, this is bizarre. Also, 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 oh, you're going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to do it, Chris. Oh shit. Ugh, this is such a minefield. Okay. Let's say, 
I don't like the uh, tone. I don't like your let's tone. Let's say the genders were changed in this oh, situation. Here we go. Let, I mean, seriously, though. Like, if a man was directing a movie and there was a younger woman and he started dating her oh, on no, the movie no, set. It, right? It, whatever. Yeah, you're right. It would be it would be a disaster. Here, it was sort of like, well, that's weird, but whatever. And the, the manager's like, go get it, girl. Like, Harry Styles is beautiful, whatever. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I guess. Um, but then, well, that's how I started to sort of latch onto it because I'm also really into gossip. What about you? <laughs> okay, so... I mean, I definitely got, well, first of all, like I saw the movie poster yeah. and, uh, and the trailer and I was like, oh, this, it looks like, you know, I think people joked about it, but it really did look like a potentially promising quote, you know, white feminist version of Get Out, which was, <laughs> which is, I think, pretty on point. Um, and it, it could have potentially been that um without the, i mean spoilers for don't worry darling uh from here out but yeah it's a it's an atrocious film um with some really beautiful beautiful uh, though cinematography. Really cinematography yeah um and some and some like decent performances butted up against so. some really yeah. horrible performance Chris Pine's phenomenal in it. I'm not phenomenal oh, yeah. is very good at it yeah he he, he pulls his way like he works yeah 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 um and so you end up having and, and it's florence Pugh, right like this movie could was, have just been yeah could have been written a, off completely if it had been like i don't know kate bosworth or something what right? are you kate bosworth <laughs> why would you do that to her it's the first name that she's came catching mind. strays when she hasn't been in a movie for 20 years what do you do <laughs> anyways anyways so i i was like actually kind of excited about the film at first and then venice happened and so that was like my entry point because I doom scroll. Ah, okay, so you're, I would call you a little bit of a, a don't worry, darling, late <laughs> bloomer in terms of the <laughs> yeah. drama. Because well, this stuff was going, this stuff was popping well, off know, way before. After way the fact, before. I found out. But here, here was my biggest entry point because I'm not a gossip pound. So I was just kind of like, oh, that's kind of <laughs> funny. Whatever, like entertaining uh, passively. Um, but the biggest entry point was for me because I teach high school journalism. Yeah. And so... I teach teenagers and they're all gossip hounds. And so like they, none of them cared one iota about this movie. They probably haven't even still haven't even seen it. Um, but they got so into, and I had one student in particular that wanted to write uh, a story for our, our A and E section yes. um, in the school newspaper. These kids are great. You're doing a good job, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. But like, I had to learn so much about this drama to help this student with her piece, especially because it was, it was her first story for the paper that she'd ever written. So it was like, I was deep in it, but not wanting to be. You were deep in it. Oh, I was deep in it, wanting every second of it because like, um, there's just like forums and stuff online where like people who are like associated, like kind of like not insiders, but people who work in the industry and they'll like leak stuff out just for fun. And like the initial leaks on this were insane. Like they were nuts and people were like attacking the people for saying it. The stuff that was coming out was that like um, Olivia and Harry were disappearing and basically screwing in his trailer during the shoot. <laughs> and that like Florence would just be on set waiting to shoot something and they were off having sex. And that like the director of photography had to take over shots and everything. Like it was like bonkers stuff and no one really believed it, but it got spread because that's how stuff, you know, it's a rumor. Right? It's fun. Um, and then, but like as more and as like, it, it was sort of like a gossiper's dream 
right that that would be true but then like as more and more stuff came out it's like oh this actually sounds like it could have happened like this is like nuts um and then i think it like so it was kind of like there was a small group of people that are into it then the trailer hit and then a lot of more people got into it the venice situation was just chef's kiss of every drama gossip person who's ever lived it was just it was it i mean you had think about venice you had florence pretending that she was shooting dune 2 and not showing up uh until the last second when she does show up she has this instagram like basically (laughs) flaunt it was so bizarre and so pointed oh yeah florence did zero press for this movie by the way right right she's the star of the movie the Which some people think was part of the negotiations for finishing the film um, with the people that anyways, that believed that, you know, there was so much onset drama between love it. I love her that. and I didn't Wilde. even know about that. Well, I didn't know it was yeah. a negotiation. I need to look this up tonight. <laughs> um, that part of it is it, the, the reason why this had to be it because this had to be the number one movie in drama is because how widespread it was. Like, how many people were into it? Like, your kids wanted to write about it in high school. Oh, I know. I know. They were like, all how does that it. make any sense? Okay, here's okay. Uh, I already said spoilers. I'll say it again. But like, my favorite part of this whole thing is yeah. that, like, you know, we have we have kids also, uh, you know, either provide photos or illustrations to go with their stories that go in the paper. And when we do like pop culture stuff, it's like, you know, we can't, I have to teach them not to use copyrighted images. So like be creative, come up with your own illustration. (laughs) But like, they cared so little about the actual movie that like the, one of our, one of our illustrators was like, I really didn't know what to do to come up with a concept for an illustration to go along with this. Don't worry, darling drama story. Um, So I just looked up the movie and turns out, Oh, it's all inside of a computer. Now I have an idea. And it's just like <laughs> casually like spoiling the entire twist of the film, which is just such a such like I mean, teenagers are just too smart and too smart, too smart I, for their own good. I uh, love that this that yeah that that all this drama. That's probably my favorite part. It's all this drama is packaged into this movie that thinks it's so much smarter than it is. But it, it, no, the, the, you're right. Nobody cared about the movie. No, like nobody, and like the zenith of the entire thing. In why another reason why it has to win is number one is Spitgate is <laughs> you have because you have all of this drama going around and there's pe- like I'm serious like Twitter that night of the premiere I was on it for like six hours and it was just people just like shooting off stuff and all that sort of stuff it was so much fun um, it's and I thought man this is okay I'm gonna say this I don't mean this is any disrespect for anybody who suffered through COVID or anything like that. But it did feel like, oh, this is kind of back to normal where mm-hmm, people are mm-hmm. like focusing on something so stupid and dumb together as a group of people, like collectively aclo- across the gro- globe, right? Like yeah. we're just obsessed with this. Spitgate was the top of it because I had multiple people texting me about it, <laughs> like who who were not even into movies, right? Who right. just like, wait, did, did Harry Styles just spit on Chris Pine at Venice? Like, number one, who follows Venice? Film festival. Yeah, I know, no, no. Like, nobody. <laughs> like, film nerds, and that's about it. And then, like, people are talking about this spit thing. And it was just, like, it was so perfect. The entire thing was so perfect. And it helps that the movie was so not... It wasn't even terrible. It was so middling. And it just kind of makes the right. whole thing even better. Um 
And I don't know. What do you think? What is the little Olivia Wilde? And we didn't even think about or talk about the whole the CinemaCon thing where Sudeikis somehow got the the process server to serve uh, oh, Olivia yeah. Wilde her uh, divorce papers or whatever the hell it was um, uh, on uh, on uh, when she was presenting the movie or whatever. Like, right. there's just so many layers to the oh, drama. Where does Olivia Wilde go from here? And there's all, we didn't even touch upon the Shia LaBeouf stuff. Oh yeah, there didn't even <laughs> touch upon it. I mean, it's we, just we, like yeah. What, it, was, what is that? What started it? I'm wondering. I don't remember the what? timeline. Like just no, no, the, no, 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 no. So the Shia LaBeouf stuff happened. He gets fired, um, quote unquote fired. It's but no one really knows what happened. But it seemed like Shia, who is very intense on set. And has his problems, obviously, with like violence and women, and like he probably was super, super intense. And Florence was not into it, and like it led to a lot of stuff on set. And then eventually, Wild had to make the decision that like, hey, we gotta like move on. This is not really working. I don't think Shia even probably even cared. But then like the drama on that didn't drop until like the right before the like the the summer before the, the last summer. So yeah. like a few months before the movie came out. Where LaBeouf's like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't fired or something like that. Like he, he said he quit and then he kept a video of Olivia Wilde and it just looks terrible for her. Mm-hmm. And not that like Shia LaBeouf can look good, but like it just didn't look good. It kind of looked like she was playing both sides and like, I don't know, man. I don't know where she's going to go. She got dropped from a movie during this <sighs> whole like drama. Right. So I don't. I don't know what's going on with her. And and Harry Styles acting career too. It's uh, over. Yeah. But like and the amazing thing is like I mean Florence Pugh seems to in you know, maybe un, yeah, absolutely unscathed. unscathed. Uh, she, and Chris Pine too and like because like they're actually good at the, I don't know. Like uh, I agree that Booksmart had its promise. Um, uh, Booksmart's a great movie, I think. I, I don't think it's a great movie, but it, I think she had mm, a great promise. script. I don't think I, I think Olivia Wilde's done. I don't know if she's going to make another good movie. Well, she made so that's funny about that whole thing is um, she made a movie before Booksmart. I might be making this up. <laughs> Let me look this up really quick. <laughs> but while I have this distinct memory. While you look that up, I, I would be remiss as we wrap things up, not to mention um, probably actually I figured out my favorite thing is not the the fact that it's a crappy movie with a dumb we live inside a computer twist. It's actually Harry Styles' quote um, at Venice Film Festival when he's getting interviewed and they ask him what uh, he likes about Don't Worry Darling and is his infamous quote. You know the quote I'm talking about, Dan? Wait, oui, what's the quote? He says, quote, you know, my favorite thing about the movie is, like, it feels like a movie. <laughs> no, I get what he was trying to say, because he was like, oh, like, you know, you kind of want to go out there and, like, see it in person or whatever. And, like, Chris Pine, Chris Pine's energy in that right next to him oh, is literally classic. That is, oh, yeah. like, the, the, the meme most... of him with the headphones is great, too. Yeah, he's like, what is going on? Yeah. Oh, it, Harry Styles also said, it's fun to play in worlds that aren't necessarily your own. It's just like the whole, like, Patrick Stewart in extras thing it was like how do i how do i how do i act i pretend to be somebody else <laughs> <laughs> he's so good uh oh wait, wait wait i think i found the movie hold on is this it 
did she? Oh, she produced it. She didn't direct yeah. it. Okay, yeah. that's my bad. It's called Meadowland. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, it's got her and Luke Wilson. She like, kidnaps a kid. It's really weird. That's bizarre. <laughs> really yeah. strange. And you know what? I will say this. I, I got to say this about Lily Wild. Um, maybe not the best director in the world, right? But she was in Drinking Buddies, and she's phenomenal <laughs> on that. <laughs> so true. one of my favorite movies. Long live Mumblecore forever. <laughs> oh my gosh. And is she going to be, uh, uh, she, I, I, I didn't realize that she's in Babylon. So I got to check that out too. Now I guess she's in Babylon. What? Yeah. <laughs> also, also, um, the, oh, the one thing I wanted to know too about, um, this, oh gosh, she's, she's so bad in Richard Jewell though. She's so bad in what? Richard Jewell. I've never seen it. <laughs> Looks so terrible. Isn't that Clint Eastwood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gross. Why would you do that to yourself? She plays a journalist um, that sleeps with somebody for information. It's terrible. God. Um, Wild was originally set to play Pew's, Pew's part. Oh, that's right. It was swapped. Yeah. yeah. So she came into this movie thinking she was going to direct it and she was going to play the main <laughs> character. It would have been so bad. Like, come on. Speaking I don't of know. Clint Eastwood, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Um, okay, I think that closes it out, right? I think. Oh, yeah. What What do we have? Any lessons here from all of these? I would say these are all failures of films, right? I don't. Oh, except for Northman. Northman's a masterpiece, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, <laughs> the rest are complete trash. Morbius uh, is fun. Morbius is a good watch. Nice, nice, good afternoon watch with a baby on your chest. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe for a good nap. Um, any lessons here to learn? If we think about Film Trace, about how we how we dissect these films, even good ones, bad ones, everywhere in between. Any sort of lessons from these movies that we could pull out? Um, you're, always, you're always wanting a lesson at the end of the day, Dan. And I want I, I want something. I want something to take home. I want I something the, to put in the doggy bag. Okay, and take home you're not going to like this, but the lesson is: uh, the world is chaos, and uh, good art is accidental. Uh, no, that's not what I wanted to hear. I'll okay. I'll I'll nip this. I'll wrap this up. Um, you need a good script. I think that's <laughs> save the cat, baby. No, like serious. Look at this. No, don't darling, darling. Uh, on the blacklist. Terrible script. Yeah, terrible what? script. It was on the blacklist. That's it was insane. on the blacklist. Yeah, that's insane. it's like how would you make a movie like that with the ending that it has and say that that's a good script? I would no be offense. embarrassed to turn in a script where you find out that they're in a computer. It's a computer. Wow. Um, Morbius, obviously not a good script. Amsterdam, oh, yeah, yeah. Madero Rosso, terrible. Um, Jurassic World Dominion, not even a script. Yeah. Essentially, it was a branding exercise that entire movie. <laughs> Uh, Northman, kind of genius though, you know, uh, no, but, but also again, no script. Yeah. The no script, script is just bare bones. <laughs> it's just, it's just like grunts, yeah. grunts and smearing blood oh, on people. My, my favorite bit that we didn't mention about Northman is that, uh, one of the test screening f- pieces of feedback was that they couldn't understand <laughs> the dialogue. And like, if you watch this movie, like I watch like Dolby surround and like, you still don't understand what the fuck they're saying. And so, like, if it was less intelligible the first go around, I just can't imagine what it would have been like. But, uh, the, the, the one of the quotes was: some audience member wrote, "You need to have a master's degree in Viking history to understand like anything <laughs> yes. in this movie." Eggers <laughs> goes, "Oh fuck." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta read the new yorkers it's unbelievable the whole thing's like that uh okay yeah well what are we gonna do back we got bones and all coming up to close out risque romance yes and then we uh, haven't decided on the next cycle i feel like we're going in a direction that i'm i might be pushing oh yeah. you in 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped about it, and we will announce it on the next episode when we close it, out uh, Risky Romance. It might involve an animal, an illicit drug as the mm-hmm. main film. Mm-hmm. We're just going to throw that out there. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Phil Trace.